Monday Night Raw. Mm, mm, mm. Is it good now? <laughs> Is it good, good now, child? Is it good now? I swear, I'm sat here, like every week I've sat here and I've typed it and I'm saying, yeah, not a great Raw. Every week, at this point. But, yeah, not a great Raw. <laughs> I mean, better than recent weeks. Like, fine, I guess. It's just a bit boring, really. Rematches and stuff, not a lot progressing. Uh, apart from one storyline, which was the main focus of the show, which helps, which makes the show feel like it's going somewhere. Is that an improvement? I guess. I guess that's an improvement. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're going to get, well, like, twos, threes out of fives, fives, sixes out of tens, as in not actively damaging. It Nothing was really, truly awful. There was nothing from, like, last week where they had the whole Charlotte Flair stuff, talking about Simone Biles. There was no massive negative talking point. There was just not a lot to talk about. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, across the board, I've just seen completely different topics covered by the different sites that are covering this show. And that, that really does say to me that, yeah, this was a kind of... <laughs> it wasn't really a show where anything major stuck out. You can take different points to talk about. That said, for me, easily the thing that stuck out to me personally was the RK Bro storyline, given it bookended the show and they had little sprinkled interviews throughout the show. Okay, this is your main focus, guys. This is getting things. Bobby Lashley, he gets like a, he gets like one sentence. <laughs> it's a good sentence. <laughs> it hit at home way more than him doing a whole paragraph would have done. So good there, but still, like the, your world title picture got nothing compared to the tag team scene, which I guess it's good to flesh out the other areas. Lashley Goldberg doesn't particularly need fleshing out. <laughs> I've picked a bad example, <laughs> but still, yeah, it's a, it wasn't that much of a show. And so, again, I'm not. It's one of those where if I'm doing it on a five scale, probably a three, two point five, no, out of ten, halfway, halfway. I'm I trying to think. What's the what's the middle score? Like, uh, no, bang, halfway, two point five. <laughs> That's what it is. I think I gave the same number last week. It's, it's like not even less happened last week, but there was that negative of the uh, like the, the there were negatives on the show. There weren't really any negatives on this show for me. This wasn't a lot of positives. We had some great middle-of-the-show telly matches. We had a decent main event, which was done well. I liked the character bits in there. There were things to like on this show, but it was overall just a bit boring. Uh, that's what I was to say. But the main talking point, RK-Pro, Randy Orton finally returning after, I mean, the kayfabe amount of days was seven weeks. I didn't check if that... I mean, I'm assuming that's right. That's a weird thing to make up, to say any number over a month. Fine. <laughs> I don't remember. Could have said anything, I wouldn't remember. But Randy Orton has returned, and the RK Bro storyline picking up kind of where. Well, the we've had it continued through Riddle, through AJ Styles and Omos attacking Riddle. So it's setting up RK Bro go to SummerSlam without Randy Orton, and now you have the man come back, and I do like what they did. I do like how he, he was like, Why would you want to team with me? Why have you been doing this? You showed you could go out on your own. Why do you want to keep <laughs> with me? <laughs> And I guess the cemented point of this episode was Randy Orton cementing that. It's like, you do know who I am, right? <laughs> like, I will I will tag with you. I will show you a bit of respect. But still, Mr. Riddle? <laughs> still, you should know who I am. 
we will never be that level of like super buds. Unless this is this, this is the Viper's equivalent of a super bud. We'll <laughs> see. But the show, I'll talk about because it did bookend the show. I'll talk about the start and then I'll talk about the main event. So Randy Orton returned and opened the show. RK Bro together in front of fans for the first time. Randy can't even get a word out before Riddle excitedly scoots on down. His best bro's here. His bro's here, finally. Uh, but hey, hey, hold on a minute. It was a nice touch with Orton using Riddle's success to back up his question of why on earth would Riddle want to team with him. And in his time away, that like lone viper way creeping back in. But for me, that's the internal logic I kind of made at watching it. It's like, ah yes, whilst he's away, he's kind of gone back to his autumn ways and forgot kind of like pretty quickly forgotten that Riddle was different it's just it gone back in his own mind because it for the last step we were having with the story this doesn't fit <laughs> Randy Orton acting like this is going back a step it gives a arc for us to get over to get to summertime it's content but it doesn't flow on from the last thing we saw so in my head I've had to come up with a like a, a reason <laughs> to remove the conflict. It's like, oh no, no, wait, no. There is a logical reason for this step to have to be taken. They ever took it in one spot. I mean, to be fair, it feels like a lot of Raw right now, especially when somebody returns, is telling you what happened during the Thunderdome era if it's currently relevant. With that suspicion, people didn't watch it. <laughs> just, they weren't watching. They just leave it. It's perfectly fine. But uh, they're, So they're kind of redoing certain things to paint the picture of the landscape of what it is now, assuming you weren't watching when there were no fans. And that is kind of what this was for me. It doesn't fit that well <laughs> into where it left, last left off. So for me, it felt like they were, I guess, taking the step a little bit back because of where the relationship was when Randy Orton took his absence and the way that Riddle then stepped up, up for him. That all flowed really well. But then upon Orton's return, something must have happened to Orton whilst he wasn't there for this to make sense. <laughs> so in my head of coming up with internal logic <laughs> for it to work, which tells me, ah, it doesn't flow that well. If, I, if I've done that, that means your show doesn't flow that well. But that said, in terms of like the wrestling thing and painting a picture, the, where it's different from normal TV, they are working with that sort of you weren't watching during the Thunderdome era, and they are essentially laying the groundwork for those who weren't watching. Just the this is the way that this arc is playing. This is what it, this is what it is. This is what it's about. Like it's Riddle, but it's it's Riddle. He's his bro, but he's Randy Orton. You can't just they got all of it across on this one night. So that's kind of why me watching as a it's it's WWE standard stuff. Of <laughs> if you're a long term viewer, you feel a little bit disjointed a bit. But if you're if you weren't you haven't been watching long term, like no no this is this laid the groundwork so everybody's on the same playing field going forward. I mean, there's one week till SummerSlam. <laughs> and I guess it's a type of thing you'd never catch AEW doing, for example, just with that rewarding the long term rather than it's the long term it gets punished because they're making sure the short term definitely know what's going on. Uh, you can decide, like, what I feel like that's something where people fall on different sides for it, where AEW haven't particularly done that. They've just continued as is. Uh, I mean, to show their audience, it kind of makes. AEW haven't had an audience that wasn't watching suddenly turning in. Like the numbers that are watching live on Wednesday, they were the numbers DVRing the show, because they maybe watched NXT and then watched AEW just in that order. I think I think I did AEW then NXT when it was on the same day. Still, anyway, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> My point being that Monday Night Raw has that casual audience, which they kind of want to be on the same page as that hardcore fans who were watching through the thick and thin. Well, there was a mass amount of the audience that weren't doing that, so that's kind of what this is for. It was it. I, that's why. That's why I'm not going to quit it too much. It's like 
I understand why you did it. It doesn't mean I would personally do that, but I can at least see the reasons from your from your side of it. I guess, yeah. Just meant it didn't as a long term viewer. It didn't mean it particularly uh, gelled particularly well. But out come AJ Styles to stir the pot <laughs> with the Raw Tag Champs targeting Riddle ahead of SummerSlam. AJ challenging Randy to a match as that pay per view tag title bout is round the corner. A nice teaser to end the segment as Styles skedaddles and Orton attempts to RKO Big Man Omos to no avail, uh, leading to a great bit with Riddle also teasing the RKO. <laughs> also to get shut down. <laughs> I just I was like, oh, Randy thing didn't work, but now he now Orton is working distraction for Riddle to hit. Oh, okay, <laughs> I like that. But that's your spot for later. Like you just got that set up right the hell up, <laughs> done right now. He can use that later. I was like, oh great. I mean, they didn't use it on this show, which is good. But they've got it all set up for SummerSlam. Double RKO and Omos. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they've done it. <laughs> they set it up. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was that. That took us to the main event. There were sprinkled interviews throughout the show. It was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna. Uh, RK Bro, we're not really gonna be that much of a team. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna win this match and prove. Because the logic was, we'll see who runs Monday Night Raw. And it's a meme. I'm like, AJ. When was it ever established that AJ, as in the crowd reacted to it, was a line, and they were reacting. The reaction from the crowd seemed to be like me watching it at home. Was like, oh, is AJ Styles like a guy that's been running Raw, and now this Randy Orton veteran's returned to uh, usurp his place, usurp his place. Jesus Christ, <laughs> not a moment to have a word. <laughs> yeah, and I'm me just watching it going, AJ Styles is like mid card upper mid card he's not running any shop <laughs> really <laughs> like when i like Roy, he, out of the list of names that i would suggest maybe are, are with like the mass momentum of the show running things aj styles is not among them <laughs> so it's, it's just like no he's just like a veteran on the show he doesn't run this is it's a sentence that sounded like it was stakes for this match to kind of hammer home the rest of the well, we're not, it's not. We're not having this match because I'm teaming with Riddle. We're having this match for other reasons. The other reasons don't make any sense with any reality. <laughs> it's just words, things, and that's something I said about WWE quite a few times. Like with their scripting, with these promos, you can, if you get the main beats of what they're doing, that's fine. The actual words that happen, words in WWE don't mean anything. <laughs> it's just to get to the next plot point. It's just the carriages of the train to take you there. They don't actually mean anything. So it's, yeah, it, yeah, that's one of those examples. Uh, but that said, leading to the main event, we've got Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. Uh, AJ Styles with Omos, Randy Orton in one of those in interviews saying that, no, he's going to be by himself. He'll take, them on, he'll take on AJ Styles by himself and prove that he can run Monday Night Raw as the top guy. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> anyway, he proclaimed he's going to be AJ Styles all on his own. AJ, more in the vein of, why would I do that? <laughs> of course, the really tall man is going to come out with me. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, a decent main event from the two veterans. Flashes of speed amongst your Orton pacing. Like, heading along all nicely before Omos got a tad too much involved. And outran Riddle to help even the odds. Randy not happy with that, but it led to the finish of Randy countering the phenomenal forearm with an RKO for the win. Uh, but the real takeaway came after the match. So Randy Orton got to make his big return to Modern Night Raw. Riddle wanting to then adhere to the crowd and show that RKO are back together with hugs and posing cheers 
whilst Orton's version of friendship is a little more unorthodox. <laughs> An RKO, a friendship RKO, a respectful RKO, uh, to end the show as he kneels there, patting the lad on the head. Uh, yeah, but this wasn't a breakup. I know already. I've not even looked, and I will know that there'll be comments around like, oh, I can't believe, oh, why would he do that? The next week to find out, I was like, no, no, no. It was like an RKO of affection. <laughs> really, it was, yeah. It's still going to the match at SummerSlam. This wasn't a turn, it wasn't anything. The question of, are RK, have RK Bro returned? Are we getting RK Bro at SummerSlam? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what this show was setting up. Getting everybody on the same ground, on the same playing field, to then go to SummerSlam. To book the match next week for SummerSlam, so everybody knows what the stakes are for the match, what the storyline kind of has been for all the characters, what the status of everyone is going in to SummerSlam. That's what this was for me. It's like an update for people who weren't watching during the Thunderdome era. So now everybody knows going to SummerSlam what the play is like. So yeah, it's it's that's why I say this show can be a little bit boring, especially if you someone like me is reviewing it for a website, therefore watching it week in, week out. Yeah, that long term, I'm the one that gets kind of a little bit punished from this, but the short term viewers who weren't watching during the Thunderdome, of which there were a few, but this is perfect for them because they then know what the play is like. Maybe they've seen people talking about RK Bro, they now know what it is. They now know each part everybody plays. Uh, yeah, this wasn't a breakup. <laughs> like, he, Riddle, and Cena were hugging in the dark match. It's like, you don't do that in front of a crowd if you've just done a breakup angle. <laughs> just to say. Uh, I can see why some may have been confused, but again, the commentators tell all tales as a last little, again, this RKO out of affection, the body language of everybody there tells you what it was like, what it was, what the story actually was. But if just in case you did miss it, the commentator then tells it plain and simple. So just in case, if you're ever not sure, just listen to what the commentators are saying. Because more often than not, sometimes the action in front of you doesn't match what the commentators are saying, but what the commentators are saying is the story they're going for. <laughs> so often it can tell you the purpose of a thing. They sometimes do hindsight, like fixing and booking, and WWE are often good at that. But as Byron sent us off air saying, I think they're back together. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's it all then. Like, end of confusion. <laughs> end of. Uh, yeah, looks like our SummerSlam Tag Team title match is set. Uh, RK Bro facing AJ Styles and Omos. Uh, yeah, yeah, RK Bro back together. One of the better acts towards the end of the Thunderdome era. Uh, especially after WrestleMania. They were like the best thing about Raw. And the I'd say on this show there were three things I liked. Four if you just count, like you put two lads in there to have a banger match. <laughs> but um, I, I continued to enjoy Baron Corbin and I liked Drew McIntyre interacting with him. I enjoyed this here with this angle. Still enjoy RK Bro. And the other one was Ali and Mansoor, which is essentially the same storyline. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, it turns out I like the, the mentor and the, like, a little too eager, chirpy chappy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good comedic kind of pairing. So they've done it twice. So, uh, second time doesn't hit quite as well, but I guess you'll know it works. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, anyway, go through the rest of the show, and I feel like it's absolutely fine to then talk about one of those three things, which is Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. So first negative out of the way, the band Invitational is back because of reasons. <laughs> that said, it wasn't even needed to be said. So, oh, he's taking advantage of the brand Invitational thing. It's like, that's only ever brought up when, for some reason, you want to use someone from the other 
like it's not an established. I mean, established if it counts as whilst you're making stuff up in the past, you use this term. As like, oh, I guess, <laughs> I guess, uh, the horrible post-draft season of 2019, where I did stop watching for the second. Again, if I wasn't doing this review, and it, maybe if it wasn't for COVID as well, I probably wouldn't be watching more. <laughs> but that said, the brand invitational. So, so one of the things that turned me off in 2019 is like when they don't know what they're doing with a draft and they need reasons to have folk just crossing over shows that this term was thrown about. Uh, that said, the reason I'm a little bit more down on it being used this time is because like they created a whole story which made so much sense that you didn't even need to use it. <laughs> it didn't even need to say it. And uh, listening to the reviews and things, that, like praising the reasons for why Baron Corbett's on this show, like me personally, yeah, I'm all down for that. Like, yeah, it's great, great, great. Even though, like, have Baron Corbett show up in NXT tonight. <laughs> like, he's looking for anything. <laughs> but I do, I love this current, like, down on his luck Baron Corbin character. A fantastic video uh, released earlier today of Baron Corbin trying to get into the arena. Uh, and it's, like, his face on the truck, but back from when he was the king. And the security guard's like, that, that's not you. <laughs> it is me. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's great. He's, he's really getting into this character. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but yeah, but it was like, I love it. It's like the brand, inv- like, so the non-brand invitational nonsense reasons for him being there, like, they were great. Like, yeah, Jinder Mahal offering financial help in exchange, taking advantage of someone willing to take a Drew beating. Like, you go out there, you attack Drew, and it seemed like the plan was Baron Corbin goes out, probably gets his ass kicked, but then Jinder Mahal can take advantage. But that's not how it actually played out. Again, you can see a plan possibly in motion. It just doesn't go that way. Thumbs up all around for this segment. <laughs> like a full-on Drew showcase as Corbin slowly finds his confidence and grows into the match, only for the kickouts to grind his gears right back down, pleading with McIntyre in my one of my favourite spots of the show, pleading with him like on his knees to not hit him with the claymore, and Drew being the super baby face that he is, super goody duper hero, like. It's like, oh, I'm actually like, actually starts to feel sorry for him, and just, it just, he just gets a microphone, just asks him like, like, come on, well, like, come on, like, like, how much do you need, so, like, just to get by for a few days, like, just for food, for bed, for shower, and Corbin just takes a moment, oh, a hundred thousand dollars, he's just delivered so well, <laughs> and Drew McIntyre just immediate, fuck off, <laughs> it was just, oh, it was all done so well, and the beat was fantastic, Drew McIntyre then hitting the claim off with the win, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this that was done so well, that, well the, the timing of it was perfect, and just the way that Corbin was just, like, I just, all I need, I only need, I just need $100,000, <laughs> and Drew sold his reaction really well, yeah, top-notch stuff, uh, afterwards, yeah, Angela the Sword, it's a bit weird to mock, I mean, yeah, after he's named it after his deceased mother. Yeah, I mean, it's a big sword, isn't it? <laughs> but he's, he's given a personal reason, a, a, really, a name that means a lot to him. Bloke with big sword as well. He's <laughs> the other side of that. Uh, but yeah, he fires off Mahal with the big sword. And uh, yeah, Mahal and his merry men in the, just chased away. It's like a double victory for Drew. He beat, he beat Baron Corbin, then Mahal's plan couldn't even happen because he was there with his sword, and they went, mm, uh, okay, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. And uh, teasers on Twitter for the two to have a Punjabi prison match. Which, maybe, if it's not the main event, and it's just mid-card nonsense, 
might be fine. <laughs> it's only ever been main event before, and it's it's not good enough for that. <laughs> there hasn't been a good one. <laughs> There's been one that got a pop for a returning Carly. If that counts as... Does that count as good? The match itself was boring, but then Carly returned in as a big surprise. <laughs> so he got a pop during the match. The other one was Batista Carly, so that wasn't much better. Uh, yeah, but you put this in the middle of the card and you allow a bit of nonsense. Could be fun. <laughs> it could be fun. Uh, anyway, moving on to something um, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of watching it and there's no reactions happening whilst I'm watching this next match. But it's Jeff Hardy versus Karrion Cross. And immediately, oh, Karrion, Hardy's home. <laughs> Time for that last Karrion. <laughs> uh, yeah, not much of a reaction for Cross in what should surely be no surprise. <laughs> like, in his immediate first impression being as a loser. <laughs> like, yeah. Why would they give him much of a reaction? Jeff Hardy got a nice one, enjoying his uh, return of... Is it song called No More Words? I can't remember. Yeah, his, his, his song from 2008 is back. Like, hey, I guess we'll soon find out if this, Scar this Scarlet arc is bullshit. <laughs> find out soon. Like, the crowd right behind Hardy, the recognisable name from the past, was bringing up the talking point for over the weekend a bit. Uh, yeah, the crowd right behind Hardy, as he launches himself about and grabs control of the match... Uh, just running the shop, Jeff Hardy going for a whisper in the wind, only for Cross to pull him off into a mighty Saito, straight into choking the man into submission for the win. Uh, against the original script, we were told that when that Karen Cross needed to lose his debut because they're going to keep him. I think it was a WWE writer on Twitter, people saying, "No, the fans are in the wrong for overreacting to this because we actually needed him to lose because of what's coming next." He's going to keep losing, and that's how we're going to bring in Scarlet Bordeaux, and she's going to be just she's going to be that thing. She is going to be that special, extra outside entity that just makes it work for Karrion Cross, and it's going to go on a tear. Cool. That's not what's happened though. <laughs> so of course, there's the oh plans change because oh we got got COVID, and then we had him beat Keith Lee. Why did you have him beat Keith Lee? <laughs> it's just I was like oh it's, it's okay now. It's like, this, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's just changed a little bit of course because Jeff Hardy got hurt and therefore we're just changing the story a bit. Immediately, why do you have him lose? He lost to Keith, like, he beat Keith Lee the next week. <laughs> it's just like, that story was dropped. If that was a story, dropped immediately. <laughs> Calling BS. <laughs> it's just like, no, no, but it's the fans who are the problem. The reason Karen Cross isn't getting cheered is because the fans are just complaining. It's like, you had him lose on his debut and he's, to be fair, personally, I enjoyed both of his matches with Keith Lee. They were in the like the death spot last week, and they got strong reactions from the crowd. Like, yeah, they like generally they brought the crowd into the match. They woke them up again before the main event, or before the penultimate match was before the main event. <laughs> but Cross and Lee had two great matches. But now we're going back to the regularly scheduled programming, and Karrion Cross immediately beats Jeff Hardy, and also after the match for a second time he chokes out Hardy and Saito's him. For that heat, brother. And yeah, he got booed after that, which is the like the biggest reaction he's had so far. Keep going with this. He can build, be built up strong, but it's still that first impression. And that's going to take a while to get over, where on his debut, have him lose. And now it just looks like he lost. And he's, all, he's immediately into 50-50 booking, just right off the bat, <laughs> which is not good. Uh, yeah, but again, immediate, as in he... Beat, he lost to Jeff Hardy, he beat Keith Lee, he lost to Keith Lee, he beat Jeff Hardy. He's in 50-50 booking land, <laughs> like right off the bat. So why would why would anyone care? Especially when you're starting at 
win loss win loss with a loss instead of like a debut win yeah yeah no wonder no, not getting much of the action like no one why would we care why why would we care about Mr. Loser <laughs> insert John Cena <laughs> but yeah 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 I'm gonna move on uh, Alexa Bliss versus Dewdrops another talking point what do you think about a dull winking to win them but then that causes the win <laughs> if I mean at this point if you're on board with the fiend stuff with the spooky spooks shenanigans then this will be fine for you if you're not on board then it won't be <laughs> there is that we know at this point what we're in for and this isn't any worse than the stuff that has come before which has been it's, it's all in the same vein you'll either find it corny or you think it's well corny uh or love it and personally i find it a bit corny it's just the way it's done isn't that well alexa bliss is doing well it's just production around it just it's not WWE's production isn't equipped to produce this kind of thing <laughs> and now they're trying to find a way to get that spooky spook whilst there's a live audience there have the dull wink they could show it on the titan tron assuming it's what they did had a large and a really loud sparkle noise <laughs> as it winked just to alert everybody in the arena that is what had happened and yeah so first off Alexa Bliss makes mentions and ugh, piped in cheers. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> the crowd seemed happy enough. I mean, it wasn't a mega amount of noise. It wasn't the hugest pop of the night, but they weren't silent for a walking out. But really, all this does to me is cement that these characters aren't as over as the show's trying to tell me they are. Because I, I, I can tell they're not real chants and I can see the crowd doing a certain amount of noise. It's like, yeah. I mean, if they're not getting... The, if they're not as over the show's telling me they are why else are they piping in cheers like you wouldn't need to do it just go off the organic reaction which they should do anyway <laughs> anyway uh, hooray weird WWE production tropes rearing its head before the match even begins I'm not even going to get to the doll doing a wink yet <laughs> weird production tropes as Alexa walks out before the break fine cool we know it's coming after the break no, modern day production stuff where only for us to return to an RK Bro VTR, a whole video package on RK Bro, just to get everybody on the same page for the main event ready. Then we go into a, into a Riddle interview. Then we go back to Alexa Bliss, who's been in the ring for about 10 minutes at this point. <laughs> it's just, what has she been doing for 10 minutes? Oh, just, just air those, like, after the match? <laughs> <laughs> just like to Adams after the match you just started like you you started those entrances for before the break <laughs> why do you have to come back from break and then to keep it just lose our attention just jump about all over so ah yeah it's a little peeve of mine if you're running a segment into the ad break and then you return don't go somewhere else and then back to the ring it's it's weird it's weird <laughs> it's the thing of like when some, often when you watch raw it feels like the actual stuff in the ring is some of the least important stuff on the show. It's the stuff around the... You know, on the wrestling show, the least important part's the wrestling. <laughs> Sometimes when you watch the show. Anyway, Viper looking like she has bliss sussed, but not being afraid and actually having counters to the wrestlers are two different things as the match played out. Hoisting the wee lass up before getting reversed into a headlock or springboard or kick. Uh, I mean, she continues to look good, like way better than once she, whenever she breaks free of the Eva Marie stuff. But, as in this is in kayfabe as well. This is me praising the story that they're actually giving Viper. I like I like the contrast they've got going on. Uh, as the other wrestlers that she is wrestling start to respect her more and more over the course of time, you can build her something. Uh, but anyway, she's still the Healy heel. <laughs> doing Marie's biddings right now. 
But in Yapping at the Doll, where she'd got a bit of momentum, she got Bliss down, she then decided to chat shit at the doll. <laughs> we got a close-up of the doll, winking with a large sparkle noise, bling, uh, in case some of the crowd weren't watching the Titan Tron. And just like, did she just wink at me? And into the most devastating move in WWE, the roll-up, <laughs> Bliss gets the win. And uh, yeah, in spite of the face immediately winning, this rivalry will continue into multiple matches. <laughs> yeah, this uh, if you were if you weren't a massive fan of this match, of the way that Alexa Bliss then got a doll to wink at somebody that led into the finish, if you weren't a fan of that, you buckle in. <laughs> this is match number one of at least three <laughs> minimum. Go with three minimum. If we're going to get Bliss versus Marie, I don't know if you're going to build to Bliss versus Marie. Is this a SummerSlam match? I don't know. Feels like a random blow off on Raw's going to happen with the momentum it's currently got. It's not getting ma- it's not getting major reactions really. The crowds aren't particularly hot for it, but it's getting like immediate. We want Wyatt chance like right off the gap, but uh, right off the bat, like this is probably going to be consistent for a bit. Just the we want Wyatt because she's taken that fiend gimmick and the way that Bray Wyatt then left the company wasn't on the it wasn't good PR wise. It didn't look good on the company. And you can understand why fans would react to it, like 100%. And she's like the sequel, I guess, to The Fiend, where she'll be constantly compared to the first iteration. Which is going to happen, obviously. And quite a number of the fans are going to react to that as, well, she's not as good as the original, therefore she deserves our ire. Again, if you're going after Bliss herself, what are you doing? Just, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just No. Uh, like, uh, don't get it like with any abuse when it's given towards the actors for a role they were playing. They were hired to play a role. They didn't write the role, they didn't create the role, didn't produce the role. It's just, why go after the actor? It's stupid. <laughs> this is the best way to put it. Either you're informed on how this process works. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. This is not to blame for any of it. But I want to say it's good. <laughs> so yeah, that's my takeaway. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's good, but I've not been into this for a while. I was into Wyatt initially, even with the kind of hindsight retconning booking a little bit, where he was changing the characters he was interacting with. That, but I even was fine with that era. But once it became so incredibly apparent that there was no grander plan they were moving towards with the character, and this was a character where he liked to speak kind of mythically, that it was always hinting to the next step, the next bigger thing. Once it became clear, they were making it up as they went along. And none of that was the case. AKA, he was booked identically to everything else in the company, where back in the th- uh, about a couple of years ago, I was donning him like the WWE's Humpty Dumpty demon, putting everybody's characters back together again. <laughs> but when it became evident that he was no different than anything else on the show, just I've started to go off it quicker. Uh, low point probably is the, with the latest stuff there with uh, Randy Orton. But still, I mean, yeah, Seth Rollins' match was a big dampener, but in terms of like, actual feelings of momentum about the character is like the uh, uh, low point and the bliss stuff is the same like there isn't really much direction with it it's spooky stuff happening for all reasons and uh, the fiend stuff gets mentioned less and less and now it's just her with spooky doll doing things I guess like the whole fiend entity stuff has gone yeah we'll see yeah I'm not particularly happy about it I need to move on it's <laughs> James versus Vicochet this was what I was calling like the like banger match in the middle of the show uh, so again, but I've got negatives with it. Like it helps that you have a champion in Sheamus in great form against the smaller lad in Ricochet, that, 
and he's like he's having great matches with that smaller guy. But oh, I it is a bit much. <laughs> this this summer has been a bit much of seeing this bearing. Like at least they avoided setting up a pay per view title match with that exact title match by booking two different matches we've already seen. <laughs> it's like ah, you avoided giving us rematches. Like you, you avoided giving us Damien Priest versus Sheamus to set up Damien Priest versus Sheamus, but instead you gave us Damien Priest versus John Morrison, which happened last week, and you given us Ricochet versus Sheamus, which has happened multiple times this summer. So ah, you avoided going down rematch path by using two rematches. <laughs> Nothing is more Monday Night Raw <laughs> than avoiding having a rematch clash by using rematches. It's it's incredible. It is incredible. That's it. At least Seamus Ricochet had some daylight between their last match. Uh, Morrison and Priest. Uh, these were back-to-back again. These two segments kind of inter- intertwining with each other. Uh, but yeah, a damn solid telly match as we entered that second hour. Like It really is great that to see that we get to see Seamus in, front, in this form in front of fans. The booking doesn't really reflect it, but like both lads always like looking great coming out of his matches. Uh, the absolutely perfect mid-card veteran helping elevate everybody around him. Like, don't have enough praise for him. Ricochet, uh, impressing and flying all over before suddenly turning into an idiot for the finish. <laughs> yeah, as normal then. Attempting a flying headbutt at the man wearing the protective face mask wasn't the wisest of plans. <laughs> Following up with the bro kick for the win. Uh, yeah, Priest's entrance immediately plays. Uh, taking, us, uh, right, uh, taking us right into him going after the champion's victory. Uh, getting right into the fella's face and setting this up his match with John Morrison and the Miz with their in his wheelchair at ringside for a nice spot. Uh, I, I think that's my one applause for this match. I'll get to it though. So, hey, hey, ho, ho, it's rematch o'clock. Again, Morrison makes Priest look great, like, but like, as well as bringing in the innovative flippies. Uh, we just saw like this exact thing last week, so my notes aren't any different. Like including the post-match drum, like dripstick banter. <laughs> the one bright spot for me is I did really get it. Really did get reaction out of me when the Miz stood, stood up out of the wheelchair. Uh, just that additional note: Miz getting angered, so angered he stands up to slap Damien before realizing what he did. Is like, oh, I'm at, oh crap! I was meant to be injured. Uh, and then he just legs it out of the arena. <laughs> I did like that. Uh, but back into negative land, Priest is given a generic as hell script on a heel champion being a bully. Uh, the words given to him were just generic crap, really. Like nothing. You know, I just zone out what they're saying. This is no personality in the script. Any character could be saying these words. So it's been my pet peeve for like the past decade of WWE where this this has really crept in, really become an apparent thing. Just scripts for characters where it could be. You can, ex- you can swap out characters and it would be identical because there is nothing <laughs> kind of calculated in this stuff. Uh, but finally challenges Seamus to his title. Uh, the Irishman accepting so he can put Priest in his place. And, ah, oh, man, how nice to have a non-coward baddie plus a babyface that isn't an idiot as our new confirmed contender stops a moist sneak attack. <laughs> Decent job at building to the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really, the only negative being the rematch repetition, the standard stuff for Raw to actually get to there. But there was some um, uh, nice stuff in there as well. Positives and negatives. 2.5 out of 5 show. <laughs> Just straight through. Uh, T-Bar with Maze versus Mustafa Ali with Mansoor. So, in terms of the momentum of the show, this match, pretty low momentum nothing. However, for me, a couple of weeks ago, 
on this review, I was talking about how great T- uh, Dijak and Ali were together. And I was saying that I wouldn't be upset if we got to see them one on one. So, as <laughs> we hear with T-Bar versus Ali, no matter what, I guess I'm legally binded to have enjoyed this segment <laughs> because of how my statements a couple weeks ago. And yeah, you know what? I did. I think the Ali Mansour team is one of my favourite things on the show. And Ali and, uh, and T-Bar, crap name, <laughs> they're, 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 whenever they're interacting in the ring, they are great together. Uh, yeah, the team of Ali Mansour continues to slowly grow uh, as Ali loses the match once again, but this week it's Mansoor's turn to make the save and stop the post-match attack. There is a nice little story bubbling here. It's very similar to Riddle and Orton, <laughs> but there is a nice, enjoyable story bubbling here. I guess the difference being that Ali is already quite a likeable... More on the heel side, but he's still relatively likeable, whilst Orton needs like a full turn. And Mansoor's just like purely, incredibly likeable. <laughs> he just... Uh, yeah, he's got that about him. A, fu- a funny guy, which is always dangerous to play for the Vince, but he has, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the pairing. They are an entertaining, fun pairing. But they're in that middle of getting like five minute segments every week. Like, this, this is not a arc which is particularly cared about by anyone who's running the show particularly. They're getting on the show every week, so at least they're not a main event. There's that level. I'm enjoying it. It's like a mid-card enjoyable thing for the telly. We'll never make it to pay-per-view, but... I'd like it to. <laughs> it's a type of thing. I'd like this act to go further. Uh, Ali Mansour, not Ali Mansour versus T-Bar and Mace. <laughs> Just like, no, no. No, go nowhere. Oh, God, I can't... Uh, how bad is... <laughs> Poor Dijak. <laughs> uh, anyway, WWE champion Bobby Lee Lashes responds to Goldberg. Again. Uh, I mean, what else is he going to do? <laughs> uh, MVP pretty much going, you brought your son here and didn't expect anything to happen? That's on you. Uh, short and sweet from the champion himself, though. It's like, after SummerSlam, there is no one next. You're done. It's like, oh. Ah, oh, there's like, no one's next. You're done. It's like, oh, that was great. <laughs> MVP running his mouth the entire thing, and then Lashley with one killer line. Yeah. For me, this segment, it did, did everything it needed to. Just carried it along. It doesn't get me excited for the WWE Championship. There isn't really much hype behind it for me. But what else... Really, I mean, when you're at this point, I'm not really expecting much now. He says, yeah, just have him come out, talk trash to Goldberg, end off. Could do that. Next week, Goldberg could come out and spear MVP again, <laughs> I guess. Uh, just it just sets us up to create that aura of we're going to get like a two, maybe four minute max, just charge of offense. That, that's what I want to, uh, that's what I want to expect. That's what I want to go to SummerSlam, having that aura set up. For me, that's the best you can do. They did it for... Drew Goldberg, I guess. I don't know if I might the actual talkie segments for that one were pretty bad. They did a pretty bad job of actually... Cause <laughs> it's one of the things where, again, Goldberg was saying things that weren't happening. <laughs> just in front of him. Uh, but getting mad for reasons that didn't actually happen. Which is a weird thing to write in. So, anyway, uh, next up, Rhea Ripley versus Nikki Ash. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. just to say it's around the Goldberg thing. None of this is inherently bad. As long as you don't have a memory, <laughs> and Goldberg versus McIntyre, it is all but a fake dream. <laughs> That's uh, then, you'll, then you'll be fine with this match. You'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, Rhea Ripley versus Nikki Ash, or oh, sorry, Nikki Ash, almost a superhero. Uh, this one isn't a championship contenders match, and by going by what I was told, it meant this now makes less sense. <laughs> like, not that I like the gimmick. Um, if it's been dropped, cool. It didn't make sense to begin with. 
But uh, for what I was told, it meant for the past two weeks, and now it doesn't make sense that this isn't a championship <laughs> contenders match. Uh, the least hyped of our champion faces the challenger's route of booking, ending in fitting style as all blue Charlotte Flair whispers into the match into a DQ finish attack. It's like, ah, okay, makes more sense why I was mentally checking out <laughs> when I find out the last six or seven minutes meant nothing, <laughs> as we were just heading into a DQ with both lasses beaten down anyway. The competition was happening, meant nothing. So the longer it went on, the more time was being wasted. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. With yeah, it, it, I feel like in terms of like comp comparisons to AW and WWE, for me, neither show is perfect. I'm not going to say that Dynamite is the absolute perfect show. However, immediate difference in booking. One respects its audience, and one seemingly looks down on it for some reason. You don't get this in AW. Yes, because they don't really do DQ finishes that often. But my main point is they seem to show respect to the viewer, which is why you don't get a million recaps. They don't expect you to remember this stuff. Uh, they respect you. They treat you as intelligent. WWE's more talking down to you. And you get this thing here where they've wasted your time. <laughs> it's just like, cool. <laughs> cool. Wrestling on hard mode. It doesn't need to be this difficult. <laughs> it's just so many tropes I'm in at this point. They make it, they make it difficult. Uh, anyway, after the break, Charlotte said that she was just rubbing salt into the wounds and nothing is stopping her from walking out of SummerSlam as Raw Women's Champion. The question asked by the interviewer was stupid. <laughs> it's just, why did you do any of that? It's just, what do you think? <laughs> it's just, again, the interviewers are the robots that then lead into the actual, like, they're, they're, they don't, they're not people. They're not personalities. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, but it, well, it does make me laugh sometimes where if you actually pay attention to the question before then just focusing on what the person says. It's like, yeah, sometimes the interview is just asked nonsense. <laughs> it's just momentum carriers. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, the one uh, outside of ring segment we'll talk about is Elias. We've got a little video package of him burning his guitar and playing him in that WWE stood for walk with Elias. But Elias is dead. <clears throat> I think you find it's the Elias era is dead. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've had to say that so many times this week. <laughs> it's like, no, NXT is not dead. The NXT era is what I was talking about. <laughs> it is my fault. So if you, a little bit of context, if you've not seen it, um, I wrote a column over the weekend, posted it on Sunday, on the uh, the NXT era being dead for me. Over the news from the weekend, it's just me talking about they're not the cool alternative anymore that era shifted on to something else. That The NXT era, with those banger like takeovers, back to back to back, an incredible era, for like three, like three four years, they were doing back to back to back incredible shows. Uh, fantastic momentum. They were the cool alternative to main roster WWE. They're not anymore. That's pretty much what the, it was about. If NXT is changing as well to reflect that, then that's kind of what the column is. But I titled it, The NXT Era is Dead. Then on the Photoshop, Thought it was a bit wordy, just trimmed it down to NXT is dead. Not really thinking <laughs> what the response to people who don't read past the image for the thing. It's just on the thing, it says NXT is dead. It just got, my God, it went viral. <laughs> I was not, last night the uh, site owner hit me up, which is like, uh, congratulations on your column going viral. Like, what? <laughs> and it's got like hundreds of thousands of sponsors to it. Like, oh, uh, and most of them are just responding to the like responding to the NXT is dead and it's the, the 
takes on that, be it like, be it in favour of it dying, be it goes like, oh, you're an idiot. And like, oh, WWE's dying. I never think, what? I don't even, even stand thinking NXT. Why, why WWE? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's yeah. Anyway, that's what the game's reference to McCollum. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, oh. I realised what I, and I incorrectly thought I had another segment to talk about. So I was going to use that to then go into the next segment. But and no, that's the show ending momentum. Jesus. <laughs> Did not mean for that. Uh, anyway, that is the end of the review uh, with a little accidental, accidentally ending on the plug for the column, which it doesn't, it doesn't need any more viewers. <laughs> I'm really happy it's done that well. I don't think I've ever had a piece of work do this well. Um, but yeah, anyway, go check it out if you, if you want to. That's the plug for that, if you're still inclined. Anyway, that is the end of the Raw review. Uh, what did you make of Monday Night Raw? What did you make of uh, RK Bro coming back together? Uh, were, at the ending, were you a little bit confused or uh, were you more like me? He's like, no, like it's not okay out of affection and commentate confirmed it. So it shouldn't really be any confusion. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, are you, I mean, the important thing, we're two weeks out from SummerSlam. Next Sunday, so not this Sunday, week after, it is SummerSlam. Like, are you excited for the event? Are you actually getting hyped for it? Because I'm not particularly... I mean, I've got the massive asterisk of I will be up late covering the show. So I'll be doing Aftershock. Like, I, I go live at like 5am. <laughs> so when I say, ah, I'm not massively hyped for it, I have got an asterisk. That said, I have gotten hyped for AEW shows when I've done the same thing. And they end even later. Like, if we've got one thing with <laughs> AEW's pay-per-views... Do they have to be that long? <laughs> They're just a little bit shorter. Like, do I have to be going live at 6am? <laughs> just, uh, da, da, da. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Us Brits aren't the main audience. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, anyway, I, I'm i going to end the show. So with that, I say thank you for listening, liking, doing whatever, interaction, whatever. Uh, I will be back on Tuesday next week to talk about Monday Night Raw. And I will be covering SummerSlam live after the event. So I've got to remember to keep plugging that. And uh, on the NXT reviews, I was always planning to bring them back, but pff, I've not watched it in like, what has it been, like two months now, the last one that I did? I don't know. I've, I've, if anything, I might be I might be doing, I might try and get uh, a Dynamite review going. If anything. <laughs> See if that, if you can get that going. Uh, yeah, that's, that may be where I'm going. The main point being getting, getting Smackdown. So I can actually do that and then maybe add an AW as well. But I think I might be done with the NXT reviews for now. Might I might drop them. I just don't watch them. <laughs> they might be fine, but they've just fallen off my watch schedule. In terms of what is the main best thing to watch, well, I'll make sure I watch... I do this Raw review, then I make sure to watch Dynamite. And with Rampage coming as well, well, that's Smackdown and Rampage. There's no room for NXT. Just, that's it. In terms of winning the battle and <laughs> battling the war... So yeah, it does make sense for NXT to completely shift back to like a much lower key thing. Maybe even uh, once the USA network deals off, like once that was an end, sorry, not off, they could take it off and put it back on the network. Um, I don't know how happy USA are. I don't know if they'll be fine with this rejig. They might be. They might still be on USA. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, TV is, like, the numbers are going down with the with the companies like desperate for something to have a core audience to keep the numbers up. Might be fine with NXT with the rejig. You might be perfectly fine. Uh, who knows? Who knows? There's a lot in the air right now. Uh, but yeah, um, I'll make sure. I mean, yeah, to get Dynamite and then get. I was going to say get SmackDown. Cause SmackDown is the number one WWE show. Dynamite is the number one AEW show. So it makes sense to get those two covered. Uh, but uh, yeah, SmackDown. Range is great. Rest of it is pretty much the same issues as I say for Raw. <laughs> and there's acts that I enjoy, but I don't like the rest of the book of the show. 
Reigns is the only thing for me written well on that show. <laughs> it helps that it's an hour shorter. Jesus Christ. Anyway, I'm going to end the show. Uh, so with that, I bid you Thank you for, uh, yeah, always appreciated any form of, of the engagement fee numbersy thing that people do. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat. The damn is in damn. Also, uh, over on Twitch, I think I'm planning to stream tomorrow uh, at the, uh, the the implications with two S's. Also for the site itself, wrestling headlines on Twitter at Russell Headlines. That's wrestle without an E. And over on Facebook, wrestling headlines as well. Uh, join the fun. <laughs> it's not a gad face. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. I've said that way too organically. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for this more review. But I'm excited for SummerSlam. What do you make of RK Bro and all of that stuff? Uh, any other points feel free to hit me up I try my best to respond and with that I bid you adieu adios Ten.